Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Season 8 of Game of Thrones premiered on Sunday, and you can deep dive with the Ringer staff as we make our way through the final episodes of the series. On the podcast side, listen to Binge Mode Game of Thrones with Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, The Watch with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, and a pre-capable series on the Recapables feed where we'll make predictions on episodes to come. In addition to our Sunday night Twitter after show called Talk the Thrones, we'll be releasing tons of videos over the course of the series. So make sure to check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer. And for even more Game of Thrones coverage, head over to TheRinger.com. It's The Ringer NFL Show. I'm Kevin Clark. Joining me on the other line, it's Danny Kelly. Danny, how are you? I'm doing excellent. It's a single digit number of days until the NFL draft. Christmas for you. I know. It's uh, it's very exciting. It's kind of the home stretch. I'm just trying to get everything ready before the big day, Thursday, next Thursday. Okay, so Robert Mays is having travel problems. It's just us today. Yep. And Danny, it couldn't be more fitting because I'm just going to turn it over for you, to <laughs> you for an hour to talk about the <laughs> Russell Wilson extension. <laughs> I mean, I think well, like obviously we covered it on the emergency pod last week. Uh, well, no, we'll hold on. Let's back up here, sure. Because let's let's let the listener through the curtain here. Okay, Mays and I were convinced they weren't going to sign. Yeah, and we were, when we were recording that pod, we wanted to even word it more strongly that he wasn't going to sign. And one voice in the wilderness, <laughs> Mister Danny Kelly. Yeah said, well, guys, what if they sign him? We need to do a whole segment. And Maze and I, Maze and I just laughed. We laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> and I remember you were right. all this, yes. Yeah. And you dunked on us. So hard, take, hard, me yeah. through, take me through what this means for the Seahawks, four years, $140 million, and what the Seahawks need to do just going forward to build a team around him. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, so first of all, the big thing is he didn't get his contract tied to the salary cap. Like we talked about, you always start really high in negotiations yeah. and then you settle for something that's also very good. Um, he's now the highest paid player in the NFL. Um, he's the highest paid quarterback, obviously, uh, per, you know, per year or whatever based on annual value. I think it's like 34.9 or something like yep. that, 35. Um, so yeah, he, he got the market setting deal that he wanted. The Seahawks get him for the next five years, which is, or I should say, yeah, it's a four-year extension, right? Mm-hmm. So they, so mm-hmm. it's next year, it's this year, 2019, plus the additional four years, which was kind of actually a surprise because last time he he made this contract, he wanted it to be shorter so he could kind of get out and, you know, have another big deal. Um, so he's locked up for the long term with the Seahawks. He's also got a no trade clause in there. So we could probably put to bed a lot of the trade rumors that we've been hearing about lately. So um, overall, it was a good day for, I think, both Wilson and the Seahawks. Um, going forward, like you said, it makes it more challenging, obviously, when you're, when you're dedicating like 18% of your cap to one guy. Um, and I think the big thing that the Seahawks have to just do going forward is draft better. I mean, they've had, they built a Super Bowl team on the draft. Um, obviously they, they augmented it with some very, very good, uh, free agent signings, particularly Michael Bennett and Cliff, Cliff Averill. Um, but for the most part, it was a, it was a draft oriented team and they need to get back to that a little bit. I mean, they don't have to hit on like mid rounder hall of famers quite at the rate that they did before, because that's just going to be impossible. But, um, I think they just have to, they, they really have to, you know, have more success in the draft. That that's the big thing. 
I can't wait for the next Russell Wilson negotiation in five years where he comes out and says, you know, four years ago it was he wants a baseball style contract, all guaranteed. <laughs> now he yeah. wants percentage of the cap. In both cases, he just got a regular rich guy deal. Yeah. And so this will happen again in four years. We'll all freak out about it and then he will sign for more money. I think the, the short He's going to want an things, ownership stake in the team or something like that. You know, the, for, the first time I talked to Russell Wilson was like two days after, like sat down with him, was like two days after he won the Super Bowl. And he told me that his goal was to own a team. Yeah. And it, everything makes more sense, you know, just the financial savvy and, and that sort of thing when you realize that that's, he wants as much money as possible. It's really hard to get him enough money to own a team or have a stake in a team <laughs> in the NFL. You right. basically have to be a quarterback. You have to be a good quarterback and you have to use all of the leverage you can. And that's what he's done here. Yeah. He also wants, he said in his uh, presser to announce the new deal or whatever the other day, he said he wants to play for 20 years. Um, and oh, we're frankly, doing this again. We're doing this with the like. Is every quarterback just going to play till they're forty four? I mean, it seems like that's where it's going. Do you doubt Wilson can do it too? Because the dude has not missed a <sighs> practice. No, in his I, I guess career. that's going to happen. I guess it's going <laughs> to happen. I, guess, I mean, I mean and, and it goes back to. So here, here's my thing about Wilson. Okay, mm-hmm. you take less damage than any quarterback in history if you're playing right now. Okay. Right. The, the, they protect the, the quarterback. rules are just outrageously in favor of, of quarterback protection. Having said that, Russell Wilson's taken some big hits behind that crappy Tom Cable <laughs> offensive line. Yeah. So he has some miles on him, but I think that it's, it's totally realistic. I, I'm I, every quarterback is in play to play, play past 40. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's what we see now. So I think that it's, I think that, that's real. And I also think that means there's what two, three more instances in which we'll think the Seahawks aren't going to resign him. And then yes, <laughs> God can't wait. I just can't wait. 2023. We'll be going through this again. I guess, you know, 2022, maybe. Um, I want, so what does this do to the quarterback market? And this is the last thing I want to touch on this before we get to the draft. This is a he- hefty price to pay. If you're looking at the context of Carson Wentz or Jared Goff or Dak Prescott and these guys who make, significant you know in Dak's case I think his cap hits less than a million dollars in in golf and Wentz's case it's less than 10 million dollars until they get their fifth year option but when you consider that Matthew Stafford is making 29 million dollars against the cap Kirk Cousins is making 29 million dollars against the cap Alex Smith Jameis Winston Marcus Mariota all over 20 million dollars yeah you start to realize that the veteran quarterback market is is broken and that <laughs> that you basically you 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 can afford a guy like Russell Wilson. The cap keeps rising. It'll be over $200 million next year. I think having him cost-controlled, not getting that percentage of the cap thing, I think it's a pretty good contract for the Seahawks. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what happens with like you said, the next generation of quarterbacks. I mean, Mahomes, when he gets, when he hits free agency, it's going to be, I mean, he could have just a record setting deal, obviously. I mean, he's already shown that he's a superstar. Um, I think, you know, like Deshaun Watson too is going to have uh, the opportunity to be the highest paid player for a little while. Um, Cam Newton's also coming up. I think after 2020, his contract is up. So yeah, I mean, it's just, the Russell Wilson thing right now, he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. He's the highest paid player. Um, and then that'll just last a little while, I think. And then he'll get surpassed by, you know, probably the the next big quarterback who, who's reaching free agency and just continue on. And in a couple of years, yeah, I think he'll be kind of, it is like it is now. Like it'll be, it, he'll look like a big, like a, a relative bargain, I think. just It's just well, going to keep kinda, going. Yeah. 
I mean, it's relative bargain because a quarterback contracts always go up, and b the the, the salaries are are known, and the cap keeps rising. So I mean, that's yeah. that's just how this works. Every quarterback contract eventually becomes a bargain, unless it's Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah, I had to you get know, that way, Flacco I mean, dig in there. I know, love it. Over, it's not a dig. I, that's just, just the facts. Truth. Yeah, it's yeah. just the truth. <laughs> oh, I, I'm um, with you. Believe me, I'm with you. Over the over the cap has this clever thing. I didn't know they had until recently that they adjust salary for the salary cap. So oh, okay. you can look at all of the salaries in history and or since the cap uh, was was put in place in 93 right. and see who was actually the most paid by percentage of the cap. Oh, that's interesting. And, and the answer the the most lucrative contract in history is actually Brett Favre's contract in oh. uh, that he signed in 97 I think, which was adjusted for today's cap uh, worth around 35 million dollars a year. Wow. Um and nice. also Carson Palmer's oddly. That sounds right. The, I, the I can Bengals I get one. that. The Bengals. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I remember that so one being this isn't like even, kind so of new. Yeah. Basically, you're not you're paying him as much as 97 Brett Favre. We're fine. <laughs> we're good. Things, we're good things are going to be we're all, all right. set. Yeah. We're all set. So congratulations to your Seahawks. Thank you. Now let's thank get you. now let's start yelling about running backs in the draft. All right, let's do that. Okay, so you've done a lot of research. You are you are a draft guru. You've made a leap this year <laughs> that has impressed even me, and I'm constantly impressed with you. <laughs> I'm even so you. impressed with you consistently, and it's I, I found new ways to be impressed with your leap in draft coverage this year. <laughs> Thank you, running backs. Yeah, so, so I think for, we have a disagreement because okay, okay. Uh, I think that uh, you should never draft a running back uh, with any pick that you find valuable, and you should just <laughs> sort of uh, put about five minutes of research into it. But I think you disagree. No, I, well, I'm staunchly on the do not draft a uh, running back in the first round train. Like I, I'm a hundred percent about that. Yeah, the Seahawks do not agree with this. Seahawks don't follow my philosophy. Um, I'm working on it and I'm trying to turn public opinion against them. No, but I mean like it just, whatever the NFL definitely d- disagrees. I mean, we saw the freaking Patriots take a first round quarter uh, running back last year. And yeah, so I, th- I kind of think that was a classic Belichick value play where, okay, <laughs> everyone is, everyone has de-emphasized the running back. So I'm just going to take one in the first round. It didn't work out by the way. I mean, he was I fine. Mean, they won this. Yeah. They, oh, by the way, it worked out because they won the Super Bowl. Like all things worked out. But, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't think he, you know, he's not like a game changer. Uh, we're talking about Sony Michelle. He, he, he played well. He, he did. He played the role for them. But um, I mean, it's yeah. It, those kinds of guys, I think, are, you know, replaceable at least. And so um, this class in particular is not outstanding. Saquon, there's no Saquon Barkley caliber player in this class. Um, I think you have to kind of look more like it, it, it's more indefinitely in the Sony Michelle range. Um, Josh Jacobs is the consensus number one guy. I think for the most part, I have him ranked number 40 on my big board. Um, I think he's a good player. There's some, some pretty major question marks about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a committee at Alabama. Obviously Alabama always tends to have good running backs, but he played in a committee with Damian Harris. So that's kind of a red flag. Number one, uh, you know, number two, he wasn't very athletic overall. Um, I know how much you value, you know, explosiveness and 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 bursts and all that and athleticism. I, I just have I have I have thresholds for running backs. <laughs> right. He's not like a terrible athlete, but he wasn't an outstanding athlete, you know, based on his testing numbers. Um, so you know, there's there's a couple of very big red flags, I guess, uh, you know, about him. Even though he is the consensus number one, I do think he's a good player, though, and I think he'll be, okay. you know, someone who contributes early on. 
Well, two separate questions. Where would you feel comfortable drafting him? What range? And what will the NFL feel comfortable drafting him at? To me, he's an early second round would be the sweet mm-hmm. spot. If you could get him in the early second round, I think so, that's great. So, so the NFL is going to draft him first overall? I think the NFL is going to draft him late in the first round. It, you know, it, he's invited to the draft. So that, I think, generally means something. It's not like a hard and fast rule that they're going to get taken in the first round. Um, but he's going to the draft, so... I think there's a very solid chance that he's going to get drafted in the first round. I'm feeling, I'm feeling Raiders at 27. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that just seems that just seems like that. I my we're going to get to this. So so a little later we're going to do sort of how the worst teams in the NFL last year have a path forward. But I don't think that just just playing the percentages. I don't think the Raiders can get out of the first round of three first round picks without doing something hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I'm, I've got my eye on that as far as that goes. Okay, so let's talk about Saquon Barkley. You, you brought him up. And what I find fascinating is he was really good last year. Really, really good. Saquon Barkley is an awesome player. And I don't think anyone feels good about the, 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 the future of the New York Giants franchise. <laughs> right, right. Right? So, like, I, I just, I think running back is a unique position in that way where I, I think that it's, it almost has no like Saquon Barkley being good last year was basically a fun fact. It right. had no had no real bearing on their ability to win and lose. Right. If the, if re, you redrafted right now, I mean, I guess the it's it's funny. I started that question and I would say where would he go, but if the Giants were picking, they would just take him again. <laughs> I think he would still it's definitely like, be like go in Groundhog the first round Day. For you just sure. keep doing the redraft and Dave Gettemo would just keep taking him and refuse to trade down. I mean, I think yeah. what was offensive about the Barkley pick was okay, running back goes second overall, that's fine. It's not fine, but I'm in this hypothetical, it's fine. <laughs> but he yeah. was so aggressively dismissive of anyone who suggested he should trade down. He didn't even take a call for it. Right. And I think that when if you're going to take a running back, you have to either A, do it later, obviously, or B, just try to find a way to not overdraft a running back. You can overdraft a defensive end, overdraft a quarterback. In some cases, overdraft a wide receiver if you want or whatever, cornerback, I'm fine with it. But I think that you start getting in a situation where if you're not only drafting running back high, but, but willingly losing value, that's that's where it's offensive, man. I mean, everybody needs a good <laughs> running back. I'm pro Alvin Kamara. Right. Okay. I'm pro James White. The J- James White is the is is the greatest receiver in the history of football now. But you <laughs> but you yeah. find you can find those guys later and scheme it up. Yeah. Exactly. You have coaches do that. The shelf life is sh- so short for running back. So having done this research. Uh, where are you on the running back position and where are you on a player like Barkley's value to a team? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason I think that people have coined the term running backs don't matter. I don't, and I think that's, it's a little bit. Is that a term? Yeah, I mean, that's that's like on Twitter and in the fantasy football community, um, in the analytics community, it's kind of like a catchphrase, running backs don't matter. That I think that is maybe like slightly overly dismissive because having a good running back, like you were talking about, you know, it's good to have a good running back. Um, But overall the, the impact that a good running back can have on your team, generally speaking, is, is minimal to, um, I mean, just like last year, for example, like when 
Todd Gurley went down and CJ Anderson, or he didn't even go down. He, he just kind of got benched for a while there. Obviously we found out that his knee was, was having some you know issues with arthritis. He was, or he, whatever, he, was, he, was he, he kind of went down, but did not officially. And so we all just sort of stared at him for a while. Right. And I think that was, like was the sort strange. of, it was a very good example of, you know, you plugged in CJ Anderson, who was literally on his couch at the start of the season and mm-hmm. they still played, you know, they, they, he, he, it wasn't a downgrade necessarily. And so I think having a good running back is, is a good thing and having a great running back is a good thing, but it's not a position to build your team around. Like, and I think we saw that with the giants, like they just didn't get any better. Um, even though they spent a second, you know, second overall pick on, on Barkley and he was great. He was very yeah. good. So to me, the, the sweet spot for taking a running back is like the second and third round. Those are the, those, that's the area where you can get a highly talented player, um, and, a, and an impact player, but you don't have to, mm-hmm. you don't have to, it's not like you're building your team around that guy. I think like third round is, is perfect, really. I think that's where Kareem Hunt went. Um, he came yep. in and did really, really well for the, for the Chiefs. There's tons of, you know, examples in that range of guys that have come in and, and been, very, very good players for their teams, and you don't have to spend a first round pick for it. So, um, long story short, is I think in this draft, particularly, it's the second and third round is where a lot of running backs are going to come off the board. Dave Gettleman's having his pre draft press conference right now, and I can't stop reading the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything good? Uh, I mean, no, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, okay. So, who, when we talk about someone like an Alvin Kamara, uh, Kareem Hunt, obviously, is in a different discussion. But who is is someone you're thinking about who might be a mid round pick that in seven months we're saying how the hell did this guy drop this far? Yeah, I think to me the, that guy is probably Daryl Henderson out of Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, he was incredibly productive in college. I mean, he averaged over the last two seasons combined, he averaged eight point nine yards per carry. <laughs> I mean, what? just think of, think about that. That was his average yards per carry. Hang on, what? <laughs> exactly. I mean, How did he was this happen. Well, first of all, Memphis had one of the best offensive lines in the nation, um, so they were clearing you know lanes for him and Should all that. Team just draft everybody on Memphis. <laughs> Memphis's offense was fun to watch, I'll tell you. Um, but Henderson, I think, to me, is the kind of guy who uh, he probably will fall a little bit. He's a little undersized. He's 5'8", 208. So he's, he's on the like small spectrum, I guess, in terms of the running back position. A lot of teams tend to like their, um, you know, bell cow, quote, bell cow guys to be in like mm-hmm. the 215, 220 range. But he's super explosive. Um, he led the country in runs of 20 plus yards, 27. He had 27, 20 plus yard runs last year. He had 12 40 yard runs. Um, so he's a home run hitter. Uh, downhill guy, one cut and go kind of guy. He's very explosive. He, he's very elusive. And, you know, the, with, with uh, player comps, it's always tough because, so I, I, I comped him to Devonta Freeman, um, just kind of in style and the way he kind of looks when he's running. But um, there's some stylistic, I think, similarities to Jamal Charles too. Just, Ooh. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying he's Jamal Charles, but I think Charles was a third rounder and, mm-hmm. The knock on him was size. I think a lot, a lot of the, you know teams are again still looking past that. But um, I mean, he's very smooth as a runner. He's he's explosive. He kind of weaves through traffic. So stylistically, there's some similarities. I'm not saying he's Jamal Charles, but um, 
obviously I think just the, that that's a kind of type of player you can get like explosive, uh, you know, kind of slashing type running back. I like him a lot. So I just want to go back to this Memphis thing. What the hell is going on there with 8.9 yards per game? Come on. <laughs> that's amazing. I I, one of the things that I used to college football used to be my favorite sport. And because because the NFL is what it is, uh, I have a lot of uh, a lot less time to watch college football. So I only I can yeah. only check in on it every couple weeks or every couple months. And one of the hidden joys is just finding out randomly that like Memphis's offensive line is historically good. <laughs> You're just like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, all right, so there were a slew of running backs to the combine who were really, really athletic, and that was one of the things that that set Alvin Kamara apart. Was obviously his athleticism in the combine, so it got him on my radar. But when you look at those guys or anybody who could be a gem, even maybe even past the third round, certainly, yeah. There's there's a couple guys, uh, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. Um, yeah, he's yes, probably that's one of my guys. He's probably like a third rounder. Um, I would say a third or fourth rounder. Uh, well, probably a fourth rounder, but it, it just kind of depends. Obviously, it only takes one team, but um, he has outstanding athleticism. He's again, he's kind of the same same mold. He's, he's a slasher. He's very explosive. He had a 40 inch vert. He had a 40 yard dash. Um, you know, he, he's he's one of those guys that is very, very explosive. Actually, there was a time for a while last couple of years ago when he was running ahead of Chris Carson on Oklahoma State's offense. So um you know, he, he's a very interesting guy. He's only 198 pounds at the combine. So again, you worry a little bit about the size, but, um, he's a, he's a guy to keep in mind. Um, and then let's see here. There's uh, the other guy that's pretty interesting. I think he'll be in the fourth round is Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma. Mm. Um, he has had injury issues in college. I think he had like a very bad knee injury. And so, I like the health thing is, is the biggest question I think with him. Um, but he's six foot one, two twenty. Uh, he's very, he was, uh, you know, when he was on the field, very explosive. He's a very good pass catcher. So I think a lot of people, um, they really like him in that range because, you know, he, he's going to fall because of the injury background, but, um, he's athletic. He's big. He was in, you know, he, he was a pass catcher in that offense. And I think he, he's the type of guy, he's kind of like, uh, stylistically, I don't know who he'd remind me of necessarily. He's, 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 I guess, kind of in the Joe Mixon range. Not, he's not as, he's not as, uh, laterally explosive, I think, but he's kind of just like that, like, you know, three down, uh, skill set where he can, he can catch passes and do all that. So, um, I think he's another interesting kind of like mid round guy to keep in mind. The guy that I think you'll really like and who could go in the second round is Miles Sanders out of Penn State. He's, he was actually uh, Saquon Barkley's backup for a couple of years. He's a former five-star recruit, like one of the top prospects in the country. Danny, when you say I would like him, is he is he is it because he's actually not a running back? <laughs> well, those are the he, prospects I like. He, I he is a good. He is good in the passing game. Um, yeah. So he's another like just freak athlete. He's he ran a four four nine at two hundred eleven pounds at the combine. 36 inch vert, very good broad jump, super good, like three cone, 6.89 three cone. So he's, he's really agile. Um, I think he's, he came into the combine probably like a third or fourth round, maybe even fifth round pick, but he's probably going to be like a second or third rounder now just because he was so athletic and people kind of, he got onto people's radars a lot. Ian Rappaport just tweeted this Memphis running back Daryl Henderson 
is working his way into the the latter half of the second or the first round. Excuse me. He's visited several teams in the late twenties and early thirties, including the Rams, Eagles, Raiders, and Cardinals. Yeah, three one to watch. That'd be great if the Rams took a first round run. <laughs> I think he he would fit them. Do they have? A, hold on. The Rams do. Yeah, the Rams have the Rams do thirty one. Yeah. I, if so, I for some reason I, I have. I, I confused this year with last year, which is just common. Eventually, <laughs> any listener together. under yeah. about twenty-five <laughs> needs to understand that eventually, all all years and all drafts just combine into one big thing. So, <laughs> do the do the Rams still have their Brandon Cooks pick? Uh, you know, I don't I have no idea because twenty. <laughs> there's literally no difference between twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. Yeah. Okay, so let's change gears a little bit because I'm intrigued with with a couple of teams in this draft. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are one. They basically control the draft. Three first-round picks. Yeah. The Giants are another. Two first-round picks. One of them, they got the 17th overall pick for trading one of the best players in football. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to the New York Giants. <laughs> and then I would put the Cardinals and the Bills here because they both need interesting. sort yeah. of paths forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what we're going to do here, we're going to play a three-man weave game now, which is going to be me and you. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to figure out the best path forward and how these teams can can really improve themselves yeah. uh, over the next six months. And yeah. How, yeah. What, what the pick is in the first round where they go from really bad to not playoffs, but eight wins. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying that that one player can can add five five wins. They can't unless it's a quarterback, and even that is is quite a stretch. I'm just saying, what is the the the, the player that gets them on the path to success the most? So let's start with the Oakland Raiders. Three first round picks. We already threw out Josh Jacobs there, and I that's really for comedy's sake. But if you're looking at the Raiders <laughs> right now, what possibilities do you see for those three first round picks that could that could get them from joke to Oh my God, we're the new Indianapolis Colts. We have <laughs> yeah. two all pros uh, as a rookie. That's a good question. I think th- with number four, it's going to come down to like three guys. It's going to be either Quinn and Williams, who I I think he could mm-hmm. potentially fall to number four. They they don't need an interior pass rusher quite as much because they've um, they got Maurice Hurst from last year. They've got some guys in there that are kind of um, playing well. So they really need edge, obviously, after trading Khalil Mack. So. To me, the most likely scenario is it's either going to be Josh Allen at that spot mm-hmm. um, or there's a slighter chance that Montez Sweat will intrigue them enough. But I think it'd probably be Josh Allen. He's a kind of high-impact guy. I think that could come in and, and play from day one, do a different, do a couple different roles for them. He's really athletic. Um, so I think he probably would be, to me, the most likely pick at number four. And I think he'd be a big impact pick. So I, one of the things that I think we need to all root for is them getting a pass rusher at four and him hitting so that John Gruden can stop with the bit where he says, <laughs> yeah, we really, really nice to have. It'd be after, really nice. Yeah. Oh, man. Really wish we could have a guy who could get home on the quarterback. <laughs> oh, my God. That bit that bit was funny like once. And uh, then he was doing it into like November. I love it. Um, okay. Second pick for the Raiders. So then after getting an edge player, um, at number four, they, then they have a pick at twenty-four. Um, I think they still probably want to like add to their defense, and and because they've done mm-hmm. a lot of stuff their offense this year. Um, obviously, the biggest one is adding Antonio Brown. <clears throat> um, if they add like a corner at number twenty-four, I think that would make a lot of sense. Like, there's a chance Greedy Williams could fall that spot. Um, 
DeAndre Baker and, and can, we, Bi- can we talk about Grady Williams for a second? Sure. Are you concerned about his tackling? <laughs> no, not really, to be honest. I mean, I think it's something that he'll have to improve on, but it's a it's a passing league. You have to be able to cover that. To me, his coverage skills are, are really what um, he separates him, and and he's not like. In coverage, he can tackle. It's it's kind of his tackling against the run that people have, I think, a problem with more. And so, um, I mean, it's certainly something that you have to think about. But I, I he he's so good in, in coverage. He's so like physical and and long. I think that the the other traits definitely kind of outweigh the other ones. But there is some there is some pretty wide ranges, I think, for for Williams. I think you know he could fall all the way into the bottom of the the first round potentially. All right. I've just heard there's some people I trust yeah. who are who are not in on Grady Williams. I think that's fair. And I've heard the same thing. Um, you know, it's 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 certainly a concern. It's not something I am as concerned about, but you know, you just never really know with NFL teams. But um I think he's still one of the top corners in this class. I mean, every every prospect has a it no there are no like perfect prospects, you know. So um, it's one of those things where team has to kind of figure out how big of a deal it is and if they can coach him up on it and all that. So um, if they don't like him, if they don't like Williams, I think DeAndre Baker, who is a very good tackler and a very physical tackler, could be an option there. Um, and then Byron Murphy is sort of right in the middle. He, he's a good tackler. He will kind of overrun plays at times and and you know kind of fly around and, and miss tackles, but um, he's very instinctive. He's, he's good in, in zone. Um, there's three very good, I think, cornerback prospects that could be around there in the, in the 24 range. I think if they go with a corner, um, that helps them, you know, in a very crucial area and, and they could potentially like it not, you know, not like the saints did a couple of years ago, because obviously they have drew Brees that helps a lot, but they, the saints were able to turn their defense around essentially in one season because they yeah. added a few very high impact players. I mean, that's the thing. And that's, that's the path forward for a lot of these teams. Every, again, the Colts and the Saints are bad examples for these particular teams because both the Colts and the Saints have elite, elite quarterbacks. Which is okay? a huge impact. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but by, by the way, those are highly paid quarterbacks, too. This, these are not discount guys. These are guys on big, big contracts. Yeah. And they were able to essentially remake their franchise with one draft. And it was amazing to watch. And, mm-hmm. and that can happen now. That can happen. This is a rookie league now. This is a rookie contract league. And it can happen. Now, I need to talk about the Giants for a second, but I want to preface it with this. I just saw this tweet. <laughs> Golden Tate said that Saquon Barkley beat him yesterday in Connect Four. Uh-oh. In five moves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know doesn't it literally takes four moves to get yeah <laughs> so what was Golden Tate doing <laughs> I, I'm sure so so the scuttlebutt here is that Saquon Barkley is very good at, at Connect Four which I'm I'm sure is, is true I'm ready to believe it yeah. but you have to be really bad. You have to be ready to get your your doors blown off if you're going to lose in five moves. You can just play prevent defense and get to like 10, right? It's literally, I believe it's literally impossible to do a diagonal connect four in only four moves. So it's it's literally so, four straight up and down. How did you I miss think, that? <laughs> if if I was playing against the best connect four player in the world, okay? I'm not I don't I haven't played connect four in a very long time. And all I was doing was playing not to lose. How many moves could I get to? 
Like twelve? Yeah. I don't know the answer. Yes, yes. The connect Something foreheads. Like the real, the real connect foreheads can can let me know the answer to that. But <laughs> if I was just playing prevent defense, almost like the chess thing, right? Like you just move your pawn around, and then you know some chess master, deep blue, just just owns you. But you can get to like you know six moves or whatever. If you see three red, whatever they are, coins in a uh-huh. row, uh huh. Put put one of yours on top of it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's to me. That's your strategy. I got, uh, I'm not. I I feel <laughs> I feel worse about Golden Tate now. <laughs> Why would he tell people that? That's not as. That's pretty bad, man. Uh, yeah, that's I'd keep bad. that to myself. All right, now let's talk about the Giants as a football team, mm-hmm. um, if you want to call them that. <laughs> um, two first round picks. Yep. Congratulations, as I said, on getting the 17th overall pick for. They've got number six and number seven contract. Yep. Path forward for them. I mean, the obvious answer is quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have to take a quarterback at some point here. Would you um, trade up? Well, I don't know if they might. They might not need to. It depends on if teams are going to trade in front of them to get Haskins. It, it yeah, feels I to mean, me like... It, it, I, depends, it, it all depends on what you're doing with the... What's what's happening around it? Yeah. I mean, if, if if Haskins' stock is so high that he could go at three or whatever, somebody could trade down, then, then you, you really have to think about it. The weird thing I mean, about the, team, the teams in front of them do not necessarily. I mean, I see there, there's some wild cards here. Okay, sure, Let, sure. Let's, let's put this, the idea of a trade off to the side for a second. The Cardinals might take a quarterback. The mm-hmm. 49ers probably will not. Right. They've got two. They've got one who gets a lot of money and is good, and one who's just a play action lord. The Jets <laughs> will not. The Raiders could maybe easily. Yeah, maybe. And then what about the Bucks, dude? Like I know this whole yeah. thing is like we hired they hired Bruce Arians to fix Seamus Winston, whatever. But Seamus Winston is not under contract. Um, he's in his fifth, his, year, fifth year, right? His, right after now. after his fifth year option. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I mean, yeah. I'm. I. I I've there's never certainly really, the chance. Yeah. There's certainly the chance. I. I, I mean, I, I. I'm sorry. I haven't seen Seamus Winston play so well that you you <laughs> build your franchise around him. Right. The the thing that I guess people probably are not talking about the Buccaneers all that much right now is is. Oh, everything that's a surprise. Ar- well, apart from just being the Buccaneers, but I mean, uh, Arians has talked up Winston to the point where you actually believe that he like really loves Winston. In yeah, I of- mean, I guess, dude. But I once, I once before they traded for Carson Palmer a couple of years ago, uh, the Cardinals. I was at the owners' meetings, and and Drew Stanton was the only quarterback on the roster. And if you listen to Bruce Arians talk about Drew Stanton, you would have <laughs> thought he was he was Dan Marino. <laughs> well, that's fair. Um, so I think we, yeah, then we can, ex- we can definitely include the Buccaneers as a potential quarterback landing spot. I haven't really thought about them that much for that, but I think it's definitely in the realm of possibility. So bottom line, yeah, I mean, they might have to trade up, but, um, if you sort of read the tea leaves on, on, you know, stock right now, I think, uh, Haskins stock seems to be falling lately, which is kind of surprising. Uh-oh. Um, and guys like Daniel Jones and, and Drew Locke are rising. Uh, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. It feels like that Daniel Jones is going to be a first round pick. Oh, and I know uh, Daniel Jeremiah gave the Giants Daniel Jones in his last mock. So uh, it's super interesting. I, I, obviously, that's not who I would pick for them. I think that would have the potential to set them back a couple seasons. Um, but with the decision making that they've had over the last couple years, it wouldn't surprise me either. All right. Give them. Two players at one at six, one at seventeen. That is their best case scenario if they want to improve this year. My opinion: Haskins at six, 
because uh, I like Haskins. I think he has the potential to grow into a very good quarterback. And in, mm-hmm. in this situation, it would actually be really good because you could sit behind Eli and give him give him a chance to kind of like get the, his feet under him. Again, the, the deal is he's only had one season of starting experience, so he's still yeah. pretty raw. Uh, hasn't been through the ringer in terms of a lot of different scenarios and dealt with a lot of um you know, hard times and things like that. So like get him in there and get some experience under him, get him to learn the offense and all that. I think that's actually a pretty good situation for him. Um, For 17, I mean, they could go in a million different directions. Uh, You know, obviously they need receiver now that they've traded away one of the best players in the NFL. I think they could go with, I kind of like the idea of giving them like a Devin White or Devin Bush at number 17, because having a high impact, very, very fast, linebacker sort of picture Bobby Wagner impact um, I'm not saying these guys are as good as Wagner necessarily but they have that skill set you know the the very very athletic sideline to sideline speed Danny, half this pod has been you com- just tantalizingly comparing a player <laughs> to a superstar yeah and then me getting fired up and then the next thing you say is well I'm not actually saying that so it's we're a, just gonna it's ed- a stand- we're gonna a- edit out we're gonna edit out all the <laughs> times that you couch these comparisons, and I'm just gonna let you know that you just compared a guy to Bobby Wagner 100 percent with no yeah. caveats. Yeah, that's my boilerplate boilerplate caveat with everything is is when is you're making com- <laughs> when you're making comparisons, <laughs> they're not true. You have to say I'm not saying he's this guy, but well, right, 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 right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's almost like yeah, I would. I did a thing a couple years ago in the Wall Street Journal about Rex Ryan's comparisons to people, and he would just he had no caveats, and he would just be like, "Man, Demario Davis, that's some that's some Ray Lewis level stuff." <laughs> and it's like, okay, guys, that's it, that's enough. <laughs> That's I remember, nice. so a couple of years ago, this is a kind of a random story, but um, the Seahawks picked Kevin Pierre-Lewis in like the fourth round yeah, or I fifth remember. round or something like this. And very athletic, whatever, you know, he was, he had some, he definitely had some issues um, in, in coverage and things like that. Uh, and I remember they interviewed the scout. I can't remember which scout it was, but he compared him to um, Patrick Willis or Navarro Bowman. I can't remember which yeah. one. It was like one of the best linebackers in, both. in the NFL the at the time. The best traits of both. <laughs> and everybody glommed onto that. And I think after that, the Seahawks stopped letting their scouts talk during the draft because it was like, oh. okay, let's not set unrealistic expectations here. And so, um, I mean, you have, it's. I think it's more interesting to compare players to like their upside, you know, and and so I think like Devin White or Devin Bush, they both have the upside to be like all pro, I think, linebackers. But obviously these are prospects. And so the floor is is quite a bit lower also. All right. I'm in a coma. I need to read this tweet. <laughs> Dave Gettleman on the Kansas City model of grooming quarterbacks. Quote, how about the Green Bay model of Aaron Rodgers falling to them when they have Brett Favre and he sits for three years? Oh, God. So <laughs> Eli forever, baby. <laughs> Eli forever. Why are why are they so incredibly loyal to Eli? I, I, I'm I'm all in. This is great. <laughs> one of the one of the benefits of not having an NFL team and being able to to look at it from sort of a journalistic neutral perspective is you can just judge everything on its merits. And this is objectively hilarious. <laughs> all right, Cardinals and Bills. Anything yeah. anything stick out to you? I mean, I guess. I guess Kyler Murray is is yeah. is a transformative type of player. If you're the Cardinals, they yeah, could, they could get you into relevance. Is that is there anybody else uh, that, that has the possibility there? One or is there a possibility of them trading down and and getting kind of a transfer you know, yeah. two 
two guys who could who could make an impact? Or is there any scenario just I guess you could see where where things uh, turn around in a way that doesn't involve them taking the first overall pick at all? Yeah, I think the two scenarios, like you like you outlined, um, take Murray. I think he has the potential to be a tran- transformative player. To me, that's the most likely scenario to to take Murray right there. They can deal with the Rosen situation, you know, as you laid out in your article at the Ringer. Um, you know, they could either ringer.com, the ringer.com, they can either hold on to him and then try and build up his trade value going forward to give Kyler some time, oh, you know, whatever to develop. Um, Maybe but that's I do the Green Bay model, just Rosen playing for three years while Kyler <laughs> Murray sits. Yeah. Um, but I do like Murray at number one. I think that has the potential to change their franchise. And then, like you said, if they can trade out of number one, if they don't like Murray, if they want to keep Rosen, you could get a haul for that number one pick. And it's like, um, you know, we've seen teams in the past do that um, where they trade back and get like two or three first round picks going forward. And, um, you know, that has the potential. It's longer term, I think, kind of thing because you're, you're building your roster through that. Um, whereas I think Murray has the potential to like be more immediate, or not immediate, but like quicker solution to like kind of their offensive problems. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if they could trade back and get a couple first rounders, get a couple very good defensive players or whatever, um, then that has a, the most high impact potential for them. Okay, Bills. I think not they got they got DK a, Metcalf. Not not, not DK, DK Metcalf. Okay, I won't give them DK Metcalf. Were you thinking about it? Sure. Yeah, I think okay. he fits. I, I think he fits what they're trying to do. No, uh, I don't really. know. I don't know if it's necessarily not, not that, change not change direction. <laughs> <laughs> no, throw deep all the time. Either run it or yeah. throw deep. Um, I think you, in this class, going defensive line at that spot could make a lot of sense for the Bills. They're at number nine. Um, mm-hmm. This is a situation where if Ed Oliver falls to that spot, that's potential for them. I think you know, he could be a big impact player for them. I think there's going to be a couple edge players potentially at that spot, like um, Brian Burns or potentially Montez Sweat. I doubt it, but... Um, he could potentially fall to that spot. Um, you know, so I think you know, they they could end up adding a very high impact defensive lineman at that spot. I think that would maybe be apart from, apart from a DK Metcalf scenario, I think getting a, getting a stud defensive lineman would be kind of like the ideal for the bills at that spot. Well, which of those, which of those teams is the most likely to rebound in 2019? Um, I think, I think the Raiders, honestly. Whoa! Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. in. Three first round picks. I'm in. Okay, I I'm ready to be talked into anything with John. <laughs> I mean, I honestly like. I remember yeah. I, I wrote a column. I compared him to the sort of the John Mulaney bit, the horse in the hospital. I totally. Ready, I remember that. Yeah. I'm ready to. I, I I'm ready to believe anything about the Raiders draft. They could He's, package yeah. those picks for some crazy veteran. They could. I I just. Anything is in play. I don't remember anything like this because I have no, I also think that there's an element of Gruden where I think that his statements and his actions are completely separate. And so I actually <laughs> yeah. don't know if he's anti-analytics and all that stuff. I think this yeah. is a little more thought out than we think. On the other hand, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> with yeah. John Gruden. Yeah. All right. Danny Keller, thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you.